0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Back Lounge Podcast. My name is Tank. I'm your host, and I'm a retired roadie with over 15 years of experience in the touring music industry. And if this is your first time on the podcast, what we do here is invite artists, band members, other roadies, and anybody else in the music industry, and we just have conversations about whatever comes up. And for today's episode, episode six of the podcast, We've got vocalist Alex Taylor from the Sheffield UK-based metal band Malevolence. And I'm super excited about this one because I just recently discovered their band only about a couple months ago. I was doing reactions on my YouTube channel, did one to one of their songs, and immediately fell in love with their sound, man. I went back and listened to everything they've already released. The sound is right up my alley. I love how many different styles and influences they mix into their music. And I'm also super excited because they have a brand new album coming out very, very soon. It's their third studio album, and it's going to be called Malicious Intent. It releases on May 20th, 2022 from a partnership between their own imprint, MLV LTD, and Nuclear Blast Records. Now, if you're watching on YouTube and you want to check out the pre-orders or music from the band, check the description of the video. I'll have links there for you to check out. But if you're listening on Spotify, Google, Apple, any of the other audio formats, head over to www.mlvltd.com. That is the band's website. They actually run it. They run their entire merchandise operation. So whether it's a pre-order for the new album or some of the older merchandise or older music, it's being packed and shipped by them. And this is the absolute best way to directly support the band, if you would like to now, before we begin, as always, there is a video version available on YouTube and you can find my channel at www.youtube.com tankthetech You'll see the video format where you can actually see myself and Alex having our conversation. And it's also available on Spotify, Google, Apple, all the other audio podcast formats. And I'll have links to all of that in the description of the video on YouTube. But without wasting any more time, let's just jump into this one. Welcoming to the channel, Alex Taylor from Malevolence. Alex, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day. How are you doing, man?
1: I'm great. I'm great. It's uh, it's also pretty shit weather here, um, but, (laughs) you know, um, I'm doing good. I'm keeping busy.
0: That's good, man. Yeah, say we, we woke up at about six this morning because we had like, this insane lightning storm come through and our dogs don't do good with lightning so i've been up with them and then we've got a one-year-old that i've been up with since then too so like oh
1: shit to, it's no sleep morning. for you
0: yeah you <laughs> get you get used to it though you know how that goes touring and shit, yeah
1: you know? yeah so. no I, to be honest i like my sleep i need to uh, i need to get my uh, my eight hours in otherwise i'm like i, I can't function properly
0: Oh, I I wish, dude. One of the things one of the things I wish I would have listened to friends that had kids when I was about to have a kid, they were like, Enjoy your sleep now. And I was like, Man, I've been touring for fifteen years. I can operate on like five hours of sleep. I'll be fine. And I was so fucking wrong, dude. (laughs) Like, I can't function like that anymore.
1: Yeah, man. Nah, it's uh gotta get your sleep. It's important, man.
0: Yeah, no. Especially like on tour. Um You know, I know. You know, the pandemics affected everybody differently and stuff like that. But when's the last time that you guys were like full bore on the road?
1: Um, probably uh, Australia. So we were in Australia for like two weeks in January, like January of COVID. The of COVID hitting. So like, I think the UK went into lockdown in March. So we got home from Australia. We had like a month and a half at home and then everything went into lockdown. Um, so we were quite fortunate that we managed to to squeeze that in, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I guess, yeah, it was just, I think it was, it was two weeks around Australia with Terra, um, which was insane. So yeah. much fun, so much fun. They, that, those guys are sick. Like they, we had such a good time with them. Um, and yeah, like that was our first venture into Australia. We've been wanting to go there for so long and we finally got to got to go there so it was it was awesome.
0: Yeah, at least he knocked it off before COVID happened, but yeah, fuck, almost over 2 years now you guys haven't actually toured. I mean, not it's... properly.
1: Like we we we've, we've done shows and stuff, like we did um we did like a little headline run um November, December last year. Um, but it was like split over the weekends. So we did like Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays. um so it's not it's not you know you're going home it doesn't count as touring you're not like you're not getting into the swing of it like you normally would um and then we've done like a few festivals and and stuff like that um and and like headliner shows but yeah properly touring was australia
0: that's it's so wild i think i saw um if i remember right before the pandemic i think ginger was over there there at the same time doing a tour kind of around the same time and then COVID happened and
1: yeah i think they were
0: the same thing happened to us. Like we, we were actually, funniest thing is, what was it, early March or something like that. And it, it happened so fast. Like we weren't hearing anything about COVID. And then all of a sudden, one day at a show, that's all anybody was talking about. And then the next day we were supposed to fly from the States to Australia. And mm-hmm. then in the course of like four hours, it was like management was emailing everybody. and like, we're going home, everything shut down. we're just like, oh shit, like, okay. <laughs> but, oh, um, man. yeah, I saw it, it. What really looked fun. I assume you guys did a full show out of this, but the music video for on broken glass. Yeah. Like, yeah. Was that a full concert? And then you just did that song like a couple times for the video.
1: Yeah. So we, we wanted to kind of capture this like raw energy of my show. Um, and we thought the best way to do that was just to put on a put on a show so um yeah we did it like five minutes down the road from where we all live in this industrial estate um i mean yeah we just we basically we got all our family and friends down um at like midday started filming and we just you know went through the song like three or four times filmed some stuff and then straight after that was the we did an actual show um which yeah yeah like I think we did 300 tickets for just like, which sold out in like a minute. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it was just, we had like a, a few of our friends bands playing and um, yeah, we just wanted to make it like an experience, you know, instead of just like a video shoot where it's, you know, it's it's cool, but you don't really get the vibes that you, 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 you want. Um we just did the show as well. So we had like some caterers there. We did like, we had like friends who so were like, cooking tacos and kebabs yes. and stuff we had a bar there um and then yeah we just just made it made it a show and then like that went on it was like a daytime thing so we we, we got really lucky in the uh, with the weather as well like it was a nice sunny day um yeah it just you couldn't have like planned it any better really uh, yeah but we just did we did it all ourselves like for hiring the stage the pa the sound equipment the lights everything we just we we put it all in ourselves and just did it DIY. And like, and that was, that was the whole essence of them, the vibe that we wanted to capture with that video.
0: And you guys did a great job doing that too, because that, that video for me was my first um, experience with malevolence. And it's funny because I'd heard, I'd heard your guys's name like around for a while. And there's so much fucking new music coming out that it's like, every time I hear a new band name, I'm like, oh man, I just add it to the list of you know things to check out. Yeah. And I think the crazy thing is, if I'm being honest, what initially um, made me wait was a lot of people just kept saying you guys were a hardcore band. And I have nothing mm-hmm. against hardcore bands. I grew up on like terror, hate breed, mad ball, shit like that. Yeah. But when I finally sat down to do that video One, I just want to say again, because that's how we led into this, you captured that magic of the just the feel and the vibe of in that moment, because that's, that's one of the big things I said, I was like, I love a video like this, because not only do you get to see the band perform in their element, and you get to see their vibe and how they interact on stage. But with that crowd there too, you actually get to see the people's response in the moment. And that's just awesome to me. And I think one of the things I loved was it showed that culture that you see in hardcore communities with like all the friends piled on the stage all the people just around just going crazy having a good time it's like almost like a kind of no rules kind of thing because you know you see other touring bands and it's like nobody can be on stage and stuff like that but it's like at a lot of metal and hardcore shows you see your friends just piled on stage but the thing that the thing that i noticed immediately was just I gotta imagine, and I wanna ask you about this, but I gotta imagine there's so many different influences with the members of your band. Cause throughout that song, I was like, okay, there's hardcore vibes in here, but I'm hearing like down guitar riffs, COC guitar riffs, like even some of the other, cause I've gone back and listened to everything you guys have at this point. And there are so <laughs> many influences of other metal bands in there that I feel as though, in my opinion, it's almost too easy to just call your band a hardcore band because it's not. I, so, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> so, I guess what I wanted to ask you about was what, um, just for your band as a whole, are you guys just all over the board with a lot of different musical tastes? Or is there, I mean, I, I want to know how you crafted the sound because I think it's super unique.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, yeah, uh, the we are hundred percent drawing influence from like all the different. I mean, we uh, to start with, we all love metal. We all love hardcore. We all love the various different forms that it comes in, all the way from like your ignorant beatdown shit to your like prog stuff, like I kind know of cons, con's into his prog stuff. Um, yeah, so we're we're drawing uh, all like and also is obviously the classics like Lamb of God, Pantera, Hatebreed we're like just bringing anything and everything like that we like to our creative process and trying to like make heavy metal that we want to hear you know Um sorry dude i knew this would happen and it's happened <laughs> just got someone calling me
0: oh well i didn't hear anything so
1: <laughs> uh, okay yeah sorry no you're all good man <laughs> i knew that would happen um sorry yeah well where was i um yeah so we're we're drawing all these influences together um, to make the music and the metal that we want to hear. Um, and, you know, we've all grown up with a similar music taste. We've all grown up liking the classics. And it's really important for us to kind of bring all of that, those years of us growing up listening to heavy bands into our modern sound. And I really feel like we, we try to kind of just carve our own path in the in the music that we write um and yes i think how what you hear is like you know especially on these new releases it is those honing our craft and like perfecting that sound i think in on the past couple of albums you know there's been a lot of things going on musically sonically um and i feel like sometimes like that is a great thing to have but also sometimes maybe things can get lost in the midst of it all and now I feel like we've really kind of, you know, we're on our third, third album now. We're really kind of honing our craft and perfecting the sound. So um, yeah, there's. I like that. I like the fact that we draw like all these different elements of different genres and subgenres, and not even just metal as well. Like I listen to a lot of rap music. I listen to a lot of Afro beats, um, jazz, house music, all sorts. Like like I don't just stick to one one genre. Yeah. Um, and if there's elements of that, which I can bring into like my vocal patterns or the delivery or something like that, then I, I like to play around with it. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, it's it's it, trying to define the malevolent sound. Like we always get into like arguments with people about, how, uh, well, not arguments, but like debates about what genre we consider ourselves or whether we're metalcore or hardcore or beatdown. I mean. To me, it's just heavy metal. Like I just, it's just heavy metal. And, I agree. Like, that's yeah. It's just if you like heavy music, then Malevolence has got something for you, one hundred percent. Yeah. You know, we 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 we're coming from like growing up in this in this genre and bringing all the elements that we like together. So yeah, I love I love that you brought up the other
0: stuff you you personally like to listen to because that's something that happens to like metalheads all the time. Like people see others in a band or they see somebody like me that's like tattoos, beard, always wearing black. And they're like, Oh, you, only, you know, you only like metal. And I have people that recommend stuff to me that are like, yeah, I know you only like metal, but check this out. And I was like, I don't only like metal. Like yeah, yeah. metalheads listen to a lot of other shit, man. We don't just listen to the same thing all the time. Like, no, I'm, no, absolutely. I'm in this crazy phase right now of uh, like German hip hop. Like, that's like, I've been listening to so much German hip-hop because most of the- Who have you uh, been listening to? Right now? (laughs) Sorry sorry to interrupt. No, it's fine. Right now, and here's the funny thing. I have no frame of reference on any of these bands, whether they're mainstream or underground, so I don't know anything about them. Um, Deichkind is one that I've been listening to a ton. Um, Finch is another guy that I've been listening to a ton just because of- I stumbled upon him randomly, and then all of a sudden, he was the featured artist in the new Electric Cowboy song. Um, Allegatoa is another guy that I like. Um, okay. What else? God, there's there's a bunch of other stuff. Zweifel uh, Stevenus, stuff like that. Like, um, and it's funny because the reason I've gotten into so much German stuff is. It, this, I don't know how this happened, but the majority of viewers on my YouTube channel are all from Germany.
1: Okay. So yeah,
0: all of all, I get all these recommendations for all of this music all the time. So a lot of the stuff I end up checking out nowadays is from Europe and more specifically Germany. You got excited. Are you into a lot of German hip hop <laughs> stuff too? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I'm- I uh, I I love it. It's probably my most listened to genre on Spotify. Oh no way! Like rap and German rap and hip hop. I like I like anything that's um, kind of hard, but also a bit Afrobeat. They've got a really like a really big scene over there for like German Afrobeat. So yeah. I'm really into that kind of stuff um but yeah that's it. you're the first person i've uh, i've spoke to for a while that says they're into it as well so, yeah, yeah it's
0: it's an inter- it's a unique sound to me as an american because a lot of the the rap and hip-hop that i grew up with um you know i i still go back to the classics in the u.s i listen to a lot of like the old easy e and nas and you know nwa um biggie tupac stuff like that that's kind of my go-to with hip-hop in the u.s because i feel like i feel like that's when a lot of that music still had a message behind it and like yeah. actually had like meaning nowadays and nothing against the artists that are out now but nowadays the lyrical context and all the stuff behind the music has changed so much that it's just not as much what i'm into anymore mm. but uh some of the stuff that's out now still has like killer beats and stuff like that. And with music for me, if it's something that I just enjoy, I don't care what it is, I'm going to listen to it. Yeah, yeah, Um but that's wild, man. I think I saw it in an interview too. I read an interview with you when I was doing research for the on Broken Glass video that said you also were like Limp Bizkit and Linkin Park when you were like a young teenager and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, man. I um, Linkin Park Hybrid Theory was the first CD that got me into heavy metal. Like that was my my mom bought it me and i remember i was like do you know what i don't even know if she actually bought it me i think she might have bought it for herself um and like she just i think i just picked up i was like what's this this looks cool i put it on instantly fell in love with it and that was it that was like the, the my initiation cd yeah. um and then yeah uh, shortly after there was chocolate Star Dog and hot hot dog flavored water yeah. uh chocolate starfish um, dude
0: that so, album uh,
1: yeah, and I was just like, oh holy shit, this guy says fuck so many times in this one song. It's sick. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh that and then again, yeah, then I started like branching out into like heavier stuff like Trivium's Ascendancy. Great album. That was a big yeah, that was a big gateway album for I think I speak on behalf of all of Malevolence where I, that was like a big album for all of us. Like we love that album. Um and then, the, yeah, and then it just kind of, like, it just, I'd go down to, like, the CD shop, like, in town where we live, and I'd just go to the heavy metal section, and I'd just buy something, pick, like, depending on how much I like the artwork. Uh, and then, like, I think, to be honest, that's how I probably got Metallica. So, I like, I found Metallica after, like, all these bands. So um, And then kind of worked my way back through all these bands' catalogs and stuff like that, so... Mm-hmm. um yeah, I just, it, I remember that, I remember vividly being stood in the record shop and just thinking, like, who's got the sickest artwork here? Uh, and then just being like, right, I've never heard of them, but I'm going to buy it. And then it'd be like Chimera or Hatebreed or Lamb of God or, you know, anything like that. Yeah. Um, do you, do you that, put a
0: lot of thought into that when you guys, with the album artwork, Do you do you put a lot of thought into that with your own stuff? Because your album artwork, especially for this new one, looks sick
1: yeah it's we definitely try and make them eye-catching and you know we want to make them pieces of art that like stand the test of time uh and that's why we we like working with Ellivan so much because he's his his pieces are so eye-catching and unique that they just make you intrigued even if you're like you know you, you don't know who Malevolence are you see that artwork and you're like holy shit that's 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 grabbing my attention you know for so. sure
0: yeah i uh Right after I did that music, uh, the reaction to that video, I, I pre ordered the vinyl because I, I had, dude, I, at this point, this, I have enough vinyls to fill this whole wall. I just haven't done it yet. But like, I'm so excited, <clears throat> excuse me, to get your vinyl because I think it looks so sick. And I just, I'm going to throw it up here right when I get it. But I think a lot of bands. I appreciate that,
1: man. Thank you. Yeah,
0: of course, man. I think a lot of bands don't think about that nowadays. There, there are people that have discovered music just based on album artwork. I used to do the yeah. same thing that you were talking about, man. My dad would take me to the record store with him and I'd be like, this looks cool. Can you get this for me? <laughs> like,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. It's-, that's, it's, it's, it's a key part of growing up as a metalhead. I think it's like, and you're also going for this, maybe this, this, you know, the songs on the back, they've got a few swear words in or something or something, you know, when you used to get the little parental advisory sticker, Yeah. Like that. I used to love that. Cause you'd be like, Oh, that's the, this, they say something bad on that album. Yeah. I want to buy
0: it. <laughs> yeah. There was, some, there was something when we were younger about that kind of stuff that it's like whenever we were able to get a CD that had a parental advisory. And the funny thing is, is like going back to what you're talking about, the the chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water album. I remember when I got that, I was, I had already listened to Limp Bizkit's earlier stuff. So I knew, but I think it's like the first real track on the CD other than the intro is hot dog, which is the one where he says, fuck, like four, it's like 48 times or something. And he even has the I'm lyrics. Say folk, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: 46, 46, I think it's 46. Yeah, 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 Oh, no, that's 48 Fox in this fucked up rap. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and
0: I remember even just after that one song, I was just like, and I think when I got that album, I was like 13, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and I was just like, whoa. Yeah, and then yeah. we, we actually had um, the middle school that I went to at the time, because around that time is when that style of music was blowing up, like Nu Metal in particular. Uh, Our our school banned Limp Bizkit music because some of the uptight teachers found out we were listening to all that stuff. And they were like, yeah, if we catch anybody with Limp Bizkit CDs in school, like we'll take them away and you're in trouble. And I'm just like, (laughs) fuck, whatever. But um, Uh, yeah, we
1: we had a similar thing. It was like, this is a funny little story. This is Charlie, our drummer, me and him both. Well, we all went to the same school, but when we were in like year three or four, I think when you're like 11 or something like that, he um, he had a Metallica CD and it was like a, a pirated CD and he he was like, oh yeah, check this CD out. Like he knew I was into metal, so he gave it me. And then we used to go to this thing like after school club where you'd you'd wait for your parents to come and pick you after school and you just hung out and just uh, all the kids were there. You'd eat food or whatever, um, play on PlayStation and stuff like that. And I remember being like, oh, I've got this CD. I'm going to put it on the uh, on the stereo at this after school club. And the first track that came on at like maximum volume was the So What cover. And it just starts with, so fucking what? And I've just seen all of these teachers just go, what? <laughs> yeah. Just come running over. Like, you can't play this here. And uh, yeah. And Charlie was like, I was just stood there laughing because I'd never heard it. And I was just like, this is amazing. Um, yeah. But yeah, after that, they like banned all kind of offensive music.
0: Yeah. We had we had issues like that in our school with um so when I was when I was in high school I played a lot of different sports and we had um we had like a weightlifting room in our high school that was always supervised there always had to be a teacher in there and you could and this was like before or after school hours and you could yeah. always tell the teacher didn't want to be there it's like they either got stuck with doing it so they'd like sit in there for 2 hours and just read a book and not really pay attention but when Iowa from Slipknot came out I bought it and I got all excited and I was like, oh, I'm taking this to the weight room at school so we can listen to it. Like, you know, and I remember first track on that album, you know, people equal shit. The first line of the song is here we go again, motherfucker. And like, I remember seeing that teacher that was in there just shooting up right away and being like, you can't play this in here. And the funny thing is like, as an adult now, I I look back on that and I was like, it's so funny that some of these teachers we had were trying us, trying to keep us away from like, you know, swearing and music and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, they go home every night and they're fucking swearing and pounding yeah. beers and stuff like that. It's like, and I get yeah. it, you're trying to keep the kids innocent, but at the same time, it's like, you know, my my wife was had a very sheltered upbringing compared to mine and when i told her stories about like what we did when we were kids i was like oh dude when we were like 12 we were like you know sneaking out of the house and we thought we were rebels cuz we were stealing our parents cigarettes and stuff and like you know yeah. you know the awesome. things the things you could look up on the internet and stuff like you know all these parents think that their their kids even at like 8 9 10 years old are like innocent It's like, dude, your kids when they're not around you are swearing and saying dirty shit. And that's, it's just the way it is. I mean, we're South Park came out when we were eight years old, (laughs) you know? Yeah, that's
1: that's life, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like you can't, and to be honest, you can't can't hide that shit away because all it does is make them want to find it more. Mm -hmm. You want, you if you try and hide it, but it's like the parental advisory thing. You try and hide it behind something like that or an 18 plus a certificate. They're gonna go and it just make them want it more. So sit, like when Grand Theft Auto came out, I was like, yeah. My mom was like, yeah, you're not allowed that. But I was like, I'm gonna go and play it. I'm just gonna go and buy it and take it from my friend's house. Yeah. So it's you just you. Yeah. I think it kind of it almost makes it worse by hiding it away. You know. Yeah. I
0: mean? When we were kids, it was the same thing you just said. It's like if one of us didn't have something like I remember Grand Theft Auto in particular. I never had Grand Theft Auto 3. Not because my parents said I couldn't get it. I just never did. But my next-door neighbor had it and like every kid in the neighborhood would be at his house for hours a day just playing yeah, Grand yeah. Theft Auto 3. Yeah, man. Yeah. Sick game. Sick oh, game. it's game changing. It's awesome. <laughs> so, one of the um one of the things too with the the different styles in your music and the different sound is I looked at some of the past tours that you've done and you guys have been all over the place with bands. I mean, I remember yeah. seeing you guys did some tours with like, uh, what is it? Goat Horror, Arch Spire, Dying Fetus, um, Unearth. I mean, out of all those bands, to me, it's like Unearth is probably the closest to your style. But like, yeah. even though you're metal, how is it opening for a band like Dying Fetus? Because that's a big difference.
1: Um, yeah. Um it was interesting. Like it was definitely we'd never done a tour like that. And yeah, I mean, it, it was sick to be fair, cause we, it just took us into a new market, which we'd not necessarily would have gone into before. Um, and yeah, like the, the I, I, we're all big fans of dying fetuses as well. So it was, it was cool to, uh, to be on the road with them. It was definitely a bit embarrassing though, when I told my nan who I was going on tour with, <laughs> she was like, oh, who, who's, who's this band you going on Solo with? I'm like, uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I actually, I actually had a friend that used to do monitors for Dying Fetus. Mm. And he told me a similar thing. He said, um, I, th- I believe it was like Christmas or Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving in the US. They were on tour and they had a day off and they went to like one of their crew guys, family members house or something and brought the band. And somebody was like, oh yeah. So like, What's what's the name of your band that you're in and like Thanksgiving dinner table like um Dying Fetus? <laughs> 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 like it's I, I've been in situations like that too where um when I was even something tame, like I was talking to my grandparents the other day and I was about to film a podcast episode with Karan from Bloodywood, and I was telling my grandparents I was doing a podcast and they're like, Oh, who with? And I was like, Oh, it's this band called Bloody wood, and my grandma's like, That doesn't sound nice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Do you know, I've, I've got to give props to like the grandparents who have like mosher children because our grandkids because they have they must hear some shit and be like, What? <laughs> like, yeah. Our generation is like, Yeah, not ashamed to uh, put a very bad band name onto a band and run with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, the hardest thing my grandparents had was like Elvis. <laughs> you know yeah
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but is there when you're touring with a band like dying fetus like when you're first starting that tour because you know their crowd are pretty old school extreme metal heads is there a mm. sense of like you have to win them over at the start of your show
1: yeah there was definitely um you know it's, it's quite a, yeah like you said an older crowd that we're not necessarily used to playing to but i feel like you know at the end of the day is it's just another genre of metal fan to appeal to and mm-hmm. you can kind of craft and twist your set almost to, to to suit them like depending on what you're saying in between the songs and how you not like even like mosh calls like the type of mosh calls that you you pull out it would yeah. change slightly so like yeah it's I, f- I definitely feel like there was an element of that but i never really felt like a big pressure or anything to uh nice. To be like, oh, we need to, we need to, we really need to grab these guys, you know, because we, we, I think we just, we let the music do the talking, I guess.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's a great point. I mean, if you go on stage and just kill it and let your music speak for yourself, it's one of two things are going to happen. Somebody's either going to like it or they're not going to.
1: There's nothing yeah, else exactly. you can do. So, yeah, exactly. Um, I think, uh, you know, like we, we, we've been quite fortunate to have done like such a range of tours that we can, we know how to like, I guess I want to say know how to perform on stage so that no matter really what kind of subgenre you're in or like what your preferences, it's like I said before there will be something that will appeal to you about Melovens because we because we draw so many influences. Yeah, and and we'll we'll you know we can make a show that fits. So for example, on that tour, I think we had a few. We were like, right, we'll play a few more songs that have got a few more bass beats in. Just like stuff like that, um, so we've kind of got that that versatility, I guess. Yeah,
0: and you guys do seem like you have a song for like every range of emotion too. Because I, like I said, I even though I've only discovered your band a couple months ago, I've listened to everything you guys have put out. And the surprising thing to me is you—you you can hear like you were talking about the evolution of your music and stuff. Because there's a big difference between if you go from like Reign of Suffering to Self Supremacy, like you can hear a little bit of a change there. And I imagine Mm. from self supremacy to malicious intent, we're going to hear even more, but you guys even have those softer songs. I'm I'm blanking out on the name of the song right now. I apologize, but it's on the EP that you put out a couple of years ago. I think it's the the other other track. Yeah. Like that one, when that came on, the first time that came on, I, I like looked over at my Spotify just to make sure. And I was like, yep, this is still malevolence. Like,
1: <laughs> like. Yeah. Um, that, I love being able to do that, though. I love being able to have like that versatility and not be pigeonholed into one like heavy sound. Like I, I love making heavy heavy metal. I love making it fast and aggressive. But I also love big sing-alongs, emotional slow down tempo tracks that kind of make you just want to like belt your heart out and uh yeah I, I like i don't want to just be a band that just does me me screaming for three minutes every song yeah i like having also i can't be arsed like I, it's nice having a break in the set where cons takes some takes yeah. some take some time to uh give me a breather <laughs> yeah i love the dynamic
0: between both of your vocals too like i was i was legitimately surprised um the first song that I heard when I heard him start singing, because I did expect that it was going to be you the whole time. And then when he took over with some vocals, I was like, oh, this is sick. Like I I just, again, the dynamic is awesome. And I feel like that's really important for music, especially to keep attention over time. Like, I don't mean to pick on this band, but I'm going to use this as an example. Um, Dream Theater just won a Grammy for metal performance of the year. And I used to like Dream Theater but I haven't listened to him in a really long time. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, this song won a Grammy. I'm gonna go check this song out. And I listened to it and it's an extraordinary piece of art and music. I mean, the guys are super accomplished, but Mm -hmm. at the end of the nine minute song that it was, I was just like, this is exactly what I expect of Dream Theater. There's nothing in this that deviated from anything that they normally do And I think that's one of the reasons that I initially stopped listening to that band and other bands that I like is because after a while, it's just like, you've given me this before. It's the same, it's
1: it's the same thing. We need to have that evolution. Uh, I feel like that's what we're kind of in the middle of our evolution right now. Like, and I I feel like you need to be constantly evolving as well. Like you you don't want to just stick with the same sound. and. I know for some bands it does work like they can be a band that just does one style and that can be their entire career span and then if that works for you then great but for me personally I, I want to be a band that continuously evolves and, and builds on our last record and makes it 10 times better you know um, yeah. but I don't know about a nine minute song though <laughs> it dude it takes I'm a sure, lot. I'm, don't get me wrong I'm sure I'm sure like it's a, an amazing piece of music but i don't have that attention span i some sometimes i do and sometimes i don't but most of the
0: time i don't have the attention span for a nine minute song no, no. like no. you know i i i realize i was just kind of saying um yeah i expect bands to 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 change and do variety and stuff but at the same time there are bands that um like you said once they find their formula it works and they stick mm-hmm. to it. And I was actually talking about this recently. Um, the new, uh, electric callboy single that just came out with Finch. The only negative that I saw about it is a lot of people were like, man, for the last couple of years, they've pretty much stuck to the same formula. Like they're just mm-hmm. doing this like party electronic core thing. And while that's true in that case, it's like, that doesn't bother me for me when I listen to it, it's enjoyable. It's fun. I know what I'm getting. It's cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: and there are certain bands like that, like if you're fucking Slayer and you can just write thrash for 30 years, you
1: know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. More power to you.
0: Yeah. But so yeah. the the new album that's coming out, um, for anybody listening, by the way, May 20th, uh, Malicious Intent, that's your third studio album, I believe.
1: Yeah. So we've done uh, three studio albums and then the e- the three track EP that yeah. we did before uh, before this.
0: So with this one, there was an announcement that you had signed a deal with Nuclear Blast. But at the same time, I saw that your own imprint is still involved in it. So how does something like that work? Is Nuclear Blast just distributing or did they allow you to still use
1: your imprint's name? So we we basically wanted it to be a partnership and which they were really kind of on board with um, being a part of. Um, so in the uk it will be if you buy a malevolence record it's coming direct from mlv ltd records coming from our warehouse one of us will have you know picked and packed your order um and then worldwide anywhere else it will be coming from nuclear blast team um so yeah pretty much that's that's how it how it works i think we have um obviously mlv ltd usa as well which is um I'm probably not going to be the best person to speak to about this, to be honest, but I know it's basically like the, um, if you, it's the same thing, if you're ordering from Emma Ltd in the U S it's coming straight from our uh, distro over there. Um, so yeah, like we, 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 were really fortunate really. and really grateful that nuclear blast wanted to kind of forge this partnership and like kind of, you know work with work alongside us in releasing this record. I feel like they've got an amazing team. you know we've we've grown up listening to records that nuclear Blast have put out. so um for us to kind of be approached back approached by them and um us form this relationship and have such a great team as well like pushing the record into new people's faces. it's 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 been awesome like and i have, I can't sing their praises enough because like, I mean, and it's funny, actually, really, because we'd never never really met any of the, the team uh, from Nuclear Blast up until last week. Oh, no, um, really? So we, we'd had, like, um, a couple of guys like, that we spoke to, like, regarding the main, you know, the main partnership. But in terms of, like, the head of PR and, um, you know, all these guys that are working behind the scenes, uh, we only met them last week in person, face-to-face, um, in London and uh it was it was great like we we got to finally like talk about this piece of work that we're all working hard for and um and yeah it's they're they're a great bunch of great bunch of guys and yeah a lot of respect for them
0: that's really cool too because i feel like there would probably be a lot of other record labels that if they wanted to sign you they'd be like no we're signing a hundred a hundred percent of all of you we're not going to let you do your own thing like so that's that's very cool that they they're working with you to do that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um I feel like it's we're in a you know, a a very fortunate position, but now we're also in a both in a very strong position. I feel like the the reaction that they've got is even surprised those guys in terms of like how much interest they've had on their end. So yeah. Um yeah, it's been amazing.
0: I mean numbers don't lie too, and I for somebody that does YouTube content now, like I look at I look at music videos, and about where views are on videos gives me a good idea of like how many people are really interested in something. And you know, I, I haven't looked in a while, but I I know for sure that On uh, Broken Glass has been out for about a month, and it's well over a couple hundred thousand views, which is super impressive for like. That's the first release with nuclear blast. Like there are other bands when they you know do their first releases that are fifty thousand views, something like that. So Mm. it does look like it's really good reception. And with MLV Ltd, you guys seem like you're very very hands on with that. But like you do you do all your merchandise and everything with that too? Like that's your distribution?
1: Yeah, yeah. Everything's uh, everything's you know uh, ordered. Packed and shipped from our warehouse that we, we, that's like our base. Uh, we've got our recording studio, our practice room there. Um, yeah, everything's done ourselves. So, yeah,
0: damn, that's smart, man. That's so <laughs> smart. Like, because I early, early on in my touring career, I, I was a merchandise manager on the road and I've worked for yeah. bands from like club size to arena and stadium size, and I, I think one thing that bands don't realize is like, yes, it is a lot of hard work, but if you keep your merchandise in house, like you guys have done, you're going to see a lot more return from that man. And you'll probably see a lot of more fans get directly involved in it because they know it's coming from
1: you guys. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the, that was the whole reason why we wanted to keep it like as such, you know, like keep it ourselves. And because it's more personal as well. Like I feel like, if I order a t-shirt from a band and I know that, you know, one of the members has packed it, he signed a little note or chucked in a few stickers, just something a little extra, you're going to want to order from them again. And you're going to, mm-hmm. because you know it's it's legit and it's not just some fucking guy in a warehouse that has nothing to do with the warehouse, uh, nothing to do with the band. Yeah. Um, it, it makes it, yeah, it makes it more personal. And I feel like people, that resonates with people.
0: Yeah. And no, Even for somebody like me, who's been around the industry, like I've had instances where I've ordered merchandise from a band and i've gotten like a thank you note or something inside of it with it and i was like oh wow these guys are doing their own stuff and like that's just you know really impressive to me and i noticed yeah. you you guys um do merchandise for a couple other bands in in the scene too
1: yeah so we have uh our guitarist other band rough justice they're uh they're also on MLVLTD. um they're they're wicked little hardcore band from Sheffield that are really starting to kind of find their feet now. And they've, well, they've been going for a, quite a few years, but I feel like now more people internationally are starting to take notice of them. Um, but yeah, great band. Um, and then we've also got Desolated as well, uh, who who are on MLV LTD. They we run all their merchandise from a store as well. Um, and then we 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 try and do like something like ex- exclusives, like we did like an MLV LTD exclusive with despised icon we did a limited range of uh football shirts for them Um we've done Gu- guilt trip from manchester like an exclusive football shirt with them and um, we just yeah we're just trying like do these exclusive designs that you know you you won't get anywhere else that you know people can can buy and be like a, a limited edition piece to support the band uh, and and as well as support Ltd. so it's uh yeah it's, it just gives us scope to do things like that and like you know get creative in how like how we want to push the brand that's um,
0: that's super cool
1: yeah and it, as well like we've got either ideas what who we want to work with as well like there's a lot of us bands who maybe struggle getting a merch set up over in europe and we can kind of give them a foundation or a, a way in by by setting up kind of like merch deals and stuff like that so yeah there's there's always like avenues and stuff like that to explore uh which is pretty exciting like uh mm-hmm. it's, you know there's there's a few things which we've, we're talking about for the next year or so which i think will be will be wicked for like bands, especially in the us as well for to to kind of reach that uk market and european market
0: yeah that's awesome do you guys did i see do you guys do stuff with nasty too
1: yeah yeah we did uh so yeah we did a, a nasty um Exclusive merch and vinyl bundle. I think. Nice, yeah. dude. It's funny. I actually have a funny story
0: about those guys. Um, so they were. I Do you know what? A- Sorry.
1: That that's that. I think that was the first video I saw of you. Oh, was the your six 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 a.m. reaction man.
0: video. I, so t- a couple things about that. That was very early on when I was doing YouTube, and I was like, I don't know. There's a certain comfort level once you start doing something for a while. And, um, back then I wasn't comfortable, but I was also like, I've always tried to be honest about stuff, but I remember being, I remember watching that video and just being like, man, this is, I think I said something along the lines of like, this just doesn't do anything for me. I know like a hundred hardcore garage bands that sound like this from my hometown. (laughs) And I, I thought, I thought that came off as so harsh looking back on it now. But then I remember, um, I was so surprised that they they commented on the video, and they were just <laughs> like, they're like, "Hey, dude! You like, yo, props for the honesty! Like, thanks for checking out our music, and thanks for just being honest about it." And I was like, "Oh, wow!" It's like that's not what I expected. And then, super long story short, Maddie and Patty ended up being the first two people on my channel for an interview ever. And oh, it really? Was, it was so funny because. I had talked to um, somebody with their PR and was like, what if we got them on the, ch- I wanna get break into interviews. What if we got them on the channel f- for an interview? And they're like, but you didn't like their music. I was like, so? I was like, yeah, yeah. get to know them as people. And then the funny yeah, yeah, yeah. thing is, I had a great conversation with them. They were hilarious. And I still, to this day, keep up with Patty the most. Like he streams on Twitch and stuff and I'll rate his streams every now and then and we'll like message on Instagram and stuff. and. And then the <laughs> funny thing is, I've gone back and listened to a lot of their other music now, which I enjoy. So mm. it it's hard to it's hard to really form a full one hundred percent judgment on on a band after one song because yeah, I, we've 100%. seen this many times. Like, I didn't like that song, but I like some of their other songs a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then do you know what? They are the fucking best guys. Like, they're some of our some really good friends of ours we've i've been listening to nasty for a long time we've we've been hanging out with them for a long time like i've helped i want to say tour managed but it wasn't managing anything like i just went along for a ride with them when they one of the first few times they came to the uk and we just i was just their black their party animal
0: (laughs) i I, I was
1: their mosh mosh warrior so I'd, i'd turn up to every show and I remember me and Barry, the bassist, would be like hanging out in the back of the van on the way to the show drinking his moonshine that he'd brought over from Belgium, and we'd turn up to the show, and that I just don't remember anything, like I'd be running around just causing havoc, and you know it was it was just like proper, proper good vibes, um and ever since then, we've been really good friends um i've got a lot of love love for those guys you know like i've I stayed at their houses i like yeah. i've met, met their families and stuff like that um and yeah I, I talked i talked to matty yesterday actually i was just we were talking about like um shows and stuff in europe so um yeah really good friends really really good dudes that's uh, awesome i got i got a lot of time for them
0: that's that's great to hear man and that's that's one thing that I think it's lost in translation sometimes with people that listen to music is um, for for casual music listeners. They look at a lot of bands like they're larger than life, like a lot of the people are rock stars and they forget about the human element of a lot of these people. So it's like like you just said, you know, you got to meet their families and stuff. It's like when Matty was talking to me about like his family and his kid and stuff like that, I was just like. You really get to see the human side of people and whether you yeah. like their music or not, you can respect them and like them as people. And it's just really yeah. cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. Yeah.
0: So, um I was going to ask cuz you said you were just just causing chaos. Do you uh if you go to shows, like if you just go to a show and you're not performing or anything, do you still do you still jump in pits or are you pretty much over that at this point?
1: Uh to be honest, it depends, depends on who the band is. Yeah. There was a like five years ago I would have said yes, but like I don't know, man. Like I have like backache every day now. Oh, <laughs> like,
0: I feel you dude.
1: Yeah, like I feel like I'm like all these years of jumping off stages and like acting like a fucking idiot like catching up with me now. So um I know a lot of people will like give me shit for saying this, but yeah, I it just depends on the band. Um and um, yeah, sometimes like if nasty, for example, I'd probably have a good time for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, I would, I would yeah. never give you shit for that, dude, because there is, there's a point in time where your, your body just catches up and it's like, mm. I, I got there too, you know, cause I was in a band for years and we were pretty high energy on stage. I'd get done playing and I'd have like back aches and my knees feel like they're going to explode. Cause we've been jumping and stuff. And then, yeah, and then when I was a teenager into my early twenties, I was like, I went to shows to get in the pit. I mean, that was, hmm. I was looking forward to seeing the bands, or seeing the bands, but I just, I was living to just get in that pit and mosh. And yeah. as I get older, I just physically can't handle it anymore. The last show I actually went into a pit at was, um, its probably about, God, this might be almost 10 years ago at this point, now that I think about it. I went and saw uh, Hatebreed, Shadows Fall, Dying Fetus, and The Contortionist at a venue in Nashville.
1: Hey, sick lineup.
0: Oh, dude, it was fantastic. And I had I had a couple friends on the tour. Um, the merch guy for Hatebreed is a friend of mine. And then one of the audio engineers for Shadows Fall was a friend. So I was going to the show to kind of, you know, I wanted to see the show, but I was hanging in front of house. And then Hatebreed yeah. started playing Last Breath, which is one of yeah. my, all time favorite hate breed songs. And I literally looked at my buddy and I took off my coat and I was like, fuck it I'm going for it. <laughs> and uh, I, I remember this is, I'll never forget this. Cause it was just of all the times I've ever been in a pit in my life. This has never happened during that song. A dude falls onto the ground and I like reach my arm down to pick him up. He takes my hand and I pull him up and he gets like, I could tell he was, he was probably fucked up. He was probably super drunk but he like gets real close to my face. And I was like, you okay, man? And he just socks me right in the face, just like punches me square in the nose. And I kind of lost it and we got into a quick little scrap and then people broke it up. But I was like, God, I I started thinking about it. I was like, I've been going into pits since I was like 13 and I've Mm -hmm. never just had somebody punch me like that before. (laughs) And I was like, I think think this is my sign. I think
1: I'm done with pits. (laughs) i mean I, there was a phase in uk scene and like it still is now where people mosh hard and like punch each other in the face and i feel like mlv ltd as a collective probably had quite a lot of influence in that area over the, over like the 2015 2016 yeah. scene uh definitely guilty for a bit of um i don't know hard moshing Im- influence in hard moshing i guess yeah um so yeah i think yeah i just i don't know I, i'm i don't know if i'm cut out for anymore, anymore, man like and do you know what like i can't afford to lose my teeth because like <laughs> <laughs> i'm like that shit's expensive to fix and yeah yeah it's, it's every... but i mean i'm i'm I, it would be it's kind of hypocritical hip, almost for me because i'm like encouraging kids to go as wild as possible when we're yeah. playing and then I'm like, I'm getting off stage. I'm like, oh,
0: I'm me back. <laughs> yeah, but that's like you gotta think, that's what the bands were doing when we were younger. You know? Mm-hmm. You know, you'd go to a show, the band on stage would get you fired up to go crazy and get in the pit and you know, go nuts. Yeah. And then after the show, they were probably thinking the same. Like I remember <laughs> thinking back on it now, one of my favorite shows I ever like just got crazy at was um friends and I went and saw the lineup was uh Killswitch Engage was headlining, and then it was Dragon Force, Chimera, and He is Legend. And okay. Chimera, when I was a teenager, is one of my favorites. Like, yeah. I mean...
1: Same, same yeah.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah. When you were talking yeah. about buying albums based off of artwork, I bought Pass Out of Existence at a record store because I saw the album artwork and I was like, that looks sick. Yeah, man. And then... um, and then impossibility reason when that came out was just, that was just so awesome for me. So we went to this show, me and my group of friends, because we wanted to see Chimera and just get in the pit. And I remember just, that was probably one of the hardest shows I've ever gone. And in terms of moshing Mm. and thinking back on it now, it's funny they probably got off stage and were all fucking tired and hurting too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Probably like falling out over who's sandwiches, who's in the dressing room and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. That's, that's what people, people would have laughs if they thought about that. It's like, like, I want to know, like, if you see a band, like, you know, you go see behemoth live and they rip a set in corpse paint and they go crazy. And then it's like, what do you think the first thing they do when they get back? I imagine Behemoth getting off stage and turning on like Frank Sinatra and just having wine and sandwiches or something.
1: Yeah, like I'll probably all go into like separate dressing rooms and just sitting in silence. Like, yeah. Just, so yeah, just going, yeah, having like wine and crackers or something.
0: Yeah. We, we had the same, um, that kind of hard, like, to me there's a difference between like moshing and like, you know, like a metal push pit and like hardcore dancing and stuff like that. We we really saw the 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 hardcore dancing and moshing blowing up in the US like in the late two thousands. Mm. Um I grew up on the south side of Chicago and we had quite a few hardcore crews and bands um that I, I worked at a venue when I was home from tour, and every mm. time we had like Oceano or Vale Maya or or we'd have bands other bands from out of town come in like we'd have like life ruiner come in and like any time those bands would play I'm like shit's getting broken tonight and like it's just going to be out of hand and it was yeah and I remember the first time I ever saw hardcore dancing ever in my life I looked at a I looked at a friend and I was like this is not going to catch on like modern hardcore dancing as we see it now I was like this is never going to catch on and then sure enough mm-hmm. uh, a couple years after that was when like a day to remember and the devil wears Prada and all those bands were blowing up and that's yeah. all their crowds were. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, I remember like going to shows back in Sheffield and it was like, we'd go to see architects and misery signals and, you know, like the, like all of malevolence. This is before we were in a band together, but we'd all go down to these shows together. We'd have our backpacks like done up high sweat fringes, tight t-shirt baggy jeans and we'd go down to the show like, are you dancing tonight? Like, yeah, yeah I'm dancing. I'm dancing. <laughs> and then you'd go, we'd go down to these metal shows and we'd be like the 10 kids who were doing like windmills and stuff. And like amidst 500 people who just wanted to push pit. bit. Yeah. So as soon as we started throwing our arms around, you just get the biggest dude with the biggest chain, the biggest trousers, just running it. You're like, yep. fuck you, man, not here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's it's funny so. that it's funny that there was such a big like um, what's the word I'm I'm looking for here? I don't know. The simplest way I'll put it is it was almost like teams. Like you'd go to I remember going to another show that was um uh it was Behemoth, Chimera and there was a local opener on the show that was more of a, you know, hardcore dancing type band. And I saw that at that show a lot. Where like some of the dancers would come out and immediately you'd get some of the old school metalheads that would be like, knock that shit off. We don't do that here. And (laughs) I'm just like, damn, dude. Like (laughs) it's like it's like a big rivalry.
1: Yeah, yeah. people took that shit seriously. Like, you can't fucking slam dance on my show, man.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's it's so funny, man. But I I loved everything about different scenes like that, like growing up, and especially working at a venue. I got to see all these different kinds of uh, bands come through and the different kinds of crowds. The only time that I got annoyed with the the hardcore dancing crew is like when they were specifically trying to like fuck shit up in terms of we had this one kid that we had to ban from our venue that and and the u s uh, hardcore dress requirement was basically flat build hat basketball jersey basketball shorts and a backpack like that was like Mm. the dress code over here but we had one we had one kid that we had to ban from a venue because he every hardcore show he'd come in and he would just try and kick holes in the drywall at the venue and we're just like dude Uh, come on
1: uh, (laughs) yeah that's kind of lame
0: yeah it's like you're not even in the pit you're in the back of the room kicking like donkey kicking (laughs) holes in the wall
1: (laughs) well was, I remember seeing that there's a no, there's an old video somewhere I can't remember what band it is and then the singer starts off the set by saying fuck a, fuck each other up and not the venue and then they just start playing yes I like, yeah this that's pretty hard yeah. um that, I'm sure it's uh, it might be like Warhound or someone okay they were uh, they were from Chicago yeah um yeah so someone from that scene I've um, that up
0: that's, I'll, that's see if I can
1: find, I'll see if I can find it and I'll send it to you. Okay. Um because it's like a, a like one of them old videos you see back in the day of like people moshing you are like, yo, this this show is sick. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah, there's been a lot of times in the UK when we've like played in like pubs. I remember this one time we played in this pub. Um and it was like one of the early days of malevolence, like I think 2012, maybe. And we played in like a pub. In a place called Scunthorpe, and I don't remember exactly what happened, but I remember the bar getting like pretty smashed up, um, and riot police turning up. Like there was Damn. like four four riot vans outside the, the the venue, and yeah, there was like a big brawl and stuff. But yeah, shit like that. It was like didn't happen a lot, but when it did, it, it does kick off.
0: <laughs> when that kind of shit, when that kind of stuff happens, it shows. Do you do you ever get venues or promoters or anybody that tries to specifically blame you guys? Like this wouldn't happen if this band didn't allow it.
1: Uh we used to. We used to a lot. Um not so much now. Um the closest thing we get to that now is like when we play like festivals and they, they make me sign an agreement saying, Oh no wall of deaths, no circle fits, no <laughs> no crowd surfing. You know, like you, you you standard like no fun vibe contract. Yeah. Thing. Um but, yeah, back in, like, 2015, 2016, we were getting, like, banned from venues that we'd never even played. Like, there was, like, I remember there was a famous picture that went round um, from a club in the UK. I can't remember exactly where it was from, but it says, no Desolated, no Malevolence on the wall. And this was right next to the DJ booth as well, because so, they had, like, a rock night on in the after club, and they weren't allowed to play Malevolence, they weren't allowed to play Desolated, and we definitely weren't allowed to play a show there, so yeah there's it's you know it's it's just because we would just we just bring a, a certain group of lads who just like to keep the shit out of each other yeah, yeah
0: for for you as a band member does that bum you out or is, or is there a certain element of that that's like fuck yeah we got banned from a venue
1: <laughs> yeah no i mean it's pretty sick it's pretty funny being banned isn't it um, <laughs> like yeah i remember i got escorted when we played download festival i um I got escorted from the tent by security after... In fact, it wasn't during our set. It was during Not Loose. Not so... It was us and then Not Loose straight after us. I went on and did a, a guest feature for Not Loose. And I ended it by going, fuck this place up. Just like a generic mosh call, not actually mean yeah. asking the crowd to like destroy the tent or anything like that. I come off stage and the stage manager and the security are stood stood at the side of the stage waiting there like all puffed up like you come with us and like they escorted me out of the tent and banned me from the tent and stuff like that but you know it's it's like going back to the thing what we were on about earlier So like if you ban something people just want it more yeah and, like i just i've i've bring that up in a few like interviews now like and people always find that a funny story because you know it's it's one of the things you don't really think about going to these festivals
0: well the funny thing about that too is just the whole culture of it at a lot of these music festivals you have production managers, stage managers, people that may not necessarily be into the actual music that's going on at the festival. And they they don't know anything about the culture of whether it's metal or hardcore. So for me, if I were at that show and I hear you say, fuck this place up, like, I know you don't mean it as fuck up the venue. It's like, yeah, um, this isn't
1: Woodstock. Do you know what I mean? It's not. We're not. We're not trying to destroy the actual yeah. infrastructure of the festival. We're just going yeah. to have a good time.
0: <laughs> yeah, and the problem is the people that work at the festival can't differentiate it because they're not familiar with the culture. I mean, dude, yeah. Rob Flynn. Every time I've ever seen Machine Head, I can't remember what song it is. It might, might be old, or eh, I think it's old. But after the bridge, he counts it back in, and he's like. One two, fuck this place up, and it's like mm. everybody in the crowd knows he's not saying destroy the venue. It's like yeah, he's yeah. going hard in the pit, you know? Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah,
1: yeah. It's just yeah. I think you're gonna have that, and like you say, anytime you have like people who don't necessarily understand the scene or the the what it's all about, and anytime that those worlds collide, you're always gonna get a bit of uh, yeah. a, a bit of like. That shit, but I also kind of like like it a little bit, you know, when you can see like <laughs> yeah. people you know, when you can see security like visibly panicking. Yeah. Like I love that shit. It's fucking hilarious. Well, like...
0: Especially at venues where a lot of the security people that we see at venues have this very tough guy mentality, like, I'm the boss, nobody's gonna fuck with me. So when you see that moment where they're like, mm. Oh shit, I'm not in control, <laughs> it's kind of funny yeah, yeah. to be honest
1: yeah um, absolutely like in so in my side of the the band i work in security and I, I do like live event security and i was the head of security for one of the academy venues in in the uk in sheffield and anytime we had like a lively show whether it be rap or metal or any hardcore or anything like that uh i i love that stuff so, so i'd always try and work those shows whenever i could and i think after a a while, like people in, in the company that I work for, start to realise that, and that that I know kind of I know a lot about this scene, um, and it just means that they could utilise me, like in other venues, and like give them advice and stuff like that, and spread that knowledge of, you know, like the d- differentiate between a crowd surfer or a stage diver or someone hardcore dancing, because there is that whole like there's a whole like ma- ma- huge range of people outside of our little niche world. That don't have a fucking clue what hardcore dancing is. Mm-mm. So, like, but when you put them into like these big venues and you have to get these staff from outside areas, you've got to you've got to train them up and like teach them the ways of like what's acceptable, what's not. So. Yeah,
0: and it's even even in terms of hardcore dancing, it's you know, somebody that's used to it, you, we could easily watch somebody hardcore dancing and can tell if what they're doing is acceptable or they are being overly aggressive and trying to hurt somebody, but. Yeah to an untrained security person, they probably just see somebody starting to two-step or windmill a little and they're like freaking out,
1: you know? Yeah. Yeah. You have yeah. to think you're having a fight or they're having a seizure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> One or the other. And yeah, it's, yeah.
0: it's, it's funny because when we were talking about like different cultures of people not understanding like the metal and hardcore culture for the last five years, I worked for a country artist in Nashville and Country is not my thing. I don't necessarily enjoy the music. There are things about some of the bands that we toured with that I learned to like, but I was an oddball out because a lot of the people that work for these country bands are also into country and, you know, Southerners and stuff like that. So every day when I would sit in my guitar world and work on guitars, you know, here's, again, the bearded, tattooed guy wearing all black, blasting fucking, you know, hate or something in his workbox. I would get Hmm. so many looks from people. I would have, I had people in other bands and crews like come up to me and be like, how can you listen to this? This is just like, how are you so angry all the time that
1: you have to listen to this music?
0: And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm probably a happier person than you are.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that there's that, there's always that assumption that if you listen to heavy metal, you must be like a really sad guy. Yeah. (laughs) Or like angry or something.
0: And then it's like, you know, it's so funny that different people in the different uh, industries and different genres of music always have assumptions about everybody else, because you know, the thing that you hear about metal and hardcore all, all the time from people that don't like it is like, Oh, it's just noise. It sounds all the same. And that's exactly how I feel about country music after working with it for five years. It's like,
1: you
0: know, all these songs are structured the same. They all have the same lyrical content. They all have the same melodies for their hooks and stuff like that. And it's, it's just funny to hear the argument back and forth where, you know, somebody in the country world would think that metal and hardcore takes absolutely no talent to write at all mm-hmm. where I'm the opposite after working with it I feel that way about country.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I feel like you get that in, in everywhere though, in every yeah. like you know like that like rap music you get it with there like the new the old school think that the new school rap is shit and vice versa and I think that's just part of part of life, but I think the the lesson really to take away from it all is just like if you like something, you like something, whether mm-hmm. it be whatever, um, and you just kind of let let people do their own thing, let people listen yep. to what they want to listen to. Like I'd never I'd never give someone shit for something that they listen to, yeah, um, because my music taste is so open to criticism it's unbelievable like i go from britney spears to slam death metal to german rap who fucking knows like who am i to criticize anyone else's taste but at the end of the day music's subjective like what we what we like is is what we like and this is another like i don't really believe in the whole like guilty pleasure thing as well like you know i've been asked before like What's uh what's your guilty pleasure? And I'm like, I don't I don't believe in a guilty pleasure. I, if I like something, I like something.
0: Holy I like shit, some dude! Po- I, literally, that's verbatim what I tell people when they say, "What's your guilty pleasure?" I'm like, I don't believe in that. If I like it, I like it. For example, I fucking love Nickelback. I really dude. do. And people, <laughs> Nickelback fucking rock, dude. And I get I get shit for that so much. And. You know, going to what you were saying, like, with music being so subjective, it's like, who am I to, one, to even know, but two, to criticize somebody else's emotional connection with music? Because that's what it really, at the end of the day, that's what it is. If you like it and it makes you feel good, that's all that should matter, especially if you have an emotional connection. I was having a conversation with uh, one of my friends that tours the other day, Um, Machine Gun Kelly right now is like... Git is one of the biggest artists right now, but also probably mm. one of the most hated artists at the same time, I see just nonstop yeah. shit. But my point was like, okay, let's say there's a kid that actually loves Machine Gun Kelly, loves the music, mm. it's helped them out, they connect to it emotionally. Even if Even if I hate that music, and I find nothing enjoyable about it, who am I to tell that person that it's not good? Because they have yeah. a different connection with that music. That music might have helped them through something that I don't understand.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent right. Yeah,
0: and that's that's again at the end of the he day. Shit, <laughs> he is shit though. Was that?
1: He is shit though. To be fair. I'm joking. I'm joking. No, no, no. no to be
0: to be fair, I have I, I heard so much about his stuff that I listened to it and I was just like. Okay, this isn't quite as bad as I was led to believe it is, but it's definitely not for me. I'm not going to listen to this. Yeah, ever- no, it's, it's
1: it's it's not for me either. I did, yeah. he did, um, I was actually quite impressed though. He did like a, a studio session during lockdown. And there was one night, it was like a hip hop track that he did. And I was, I was I thought that was pretty sick. But the, the, the punk thing, um, it's not for me. Yeah, and he's made some fucking whack statements out that that's that's something that i'm not really down with like he said some like some dumb shit, i think and yeah i think that but it's i think that's it's, it's just all like a market employee really he's kind of like you know he's trying to trigger people to get a reaction for sure and i feel and i feel like if you if you i don't i'm not really down with that if you feel the need to do that to sell your product then good on you i guess but for me i feel it kind yeah. of lame but it's, you know like like say yes, it's whatever. If you like the music, then good.
0: Yeah, and it, it's it's wild because I think uh, coming from the music business business, I think there's a lot of that that nor, that people don't really see. Like for example, remember uh, like when Miley Cyrus was first blown up when she was solo. It's like you just keep seeing her in headlines for doing crazy shit. It's like she does the MTV Awards and she's like, you know, fucking riding the wrecking ball and making weird fucking faces and all this shit. I had a a friend that worked for her, that drum teched on her tour that was like, she is the smartest person I've ever worked for. And I was like, really? I was like, explain. And he goes, every time you see a headline about her doing something wacky and crazy and stuff, he goes, everybody thinks she's nuts. Everybody thinks she's like a crazy person. But he goes, every single one of those things that you've seen has been a highly thought out plan because it's going to get marketed,
1: and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, it's a great point." And that's that's I'm sure like Machine Gun Kelly is thinking exactly the same thing when he's like calling out Slipknot and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, you've got the whole metal world like hating on you, but at the same time, you've got everyone talking about you. Exactly. Your name is now is now gone. And yeah, with a hundred, without a doubt, all these people they're they're very smart. Like, and, yeah. Yeah, fair play, fair play to him. Yeah, and that—that uh, I, I need to start planning some uh some controversial statements. <laughs> Dude, <I mean. laughs>
0: just just pick a just pick a huge artist and just say something shitty about him. I mean, really, you just made a great point. It's like it's Slipknot. It, at least right now, that's one of the more legendary modern metal bands that have been around for over twenty years now. Mm. Whether Machine Gun Kelly loses that argument on the fan side of it and gets shit on for it, the point that you just made. Every, every everybody knows his name now. All these metalheads that may yeah. not have even known who he was are talking about him. And with today's technology and social media age we're living in, every time his name comes up, that's just feeding an algorithm, man, and you're gonna see him more and more and more and more. It's, you know, whether whether you agree with the statements or not of any artist that does something crazy like that, it's, I mean, it's it's marketing. <laughs> Like, yeah exactly yeah, one of the blunt. one of the big things that just happened in the states recently um there's this country artist that got uh, at the time he was like a mid-level country artist um he got caught on somebody's like doorbell camera on ring coming home drunk from the bar and like yelling the n-word at people or a, like oh, shit. yeah and immediately when that got released everybody was like he's done like there's no way that that comes out on tape and he still has a career after this. Yeah. This motherfucker just sold two nights out in, sold out two nights in a row at Madison Square Garden. He's bigger now than he was before that happened. It's fucking insane and it's crazy to see how it happened because for somebody like me that doesn't agree with any of that kind of fucking language i'm like i'm done like i'm there's i I would never support this guy but a lot of the country music industry fans were just like you know after he came out with his apology and was like i'm sorry i used that word i've never used it before which in my opinion is bullshit if somebody's saying it when they think they're alone of course they're saying it but um yeah the whole story turned into a like sob story for him it was like, oh, everybody's everybody's giving him shit. He just messed up. He's human, and blah blah blah. His and then his record sales went through the roof. The country music industry rallied around him. He's now selling out, headlining shows at arenas all over the country. He just headlined one of the biggest country music festivals, and just for me, I'm just like, this is insane. <clears throat> this is yeah. absolutely insane. Uh,
1: it's, it's, I, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's it's a sad state of affairs, really, isn't it? You can. You think that, that well, well, it's a sad state of affairs that that hasn't brought that person down. Yeah. It's only made him bigger. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: And I think, I think that probably says a lot about the country music industry. Mm. And from somebody who worked in it for a while, I will say it's not the first time I've been around somebody working in country or an artist that's used a language like that. It's a lot of, mm. you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of people like that in that industry, but you know, Mm. rather than spending more time, giving them our attention, um, I know you've got a crazy schedule and we've probably only got a little bit left that I've got you time for, but I do want to talk about, um, the new album, malicious intent is going to come out on May 20th. Do you guys have any touring plans coming up soon for that album?
1: Um, so yes, we do. Um, so our next our next block of shows we're going to be playing ireland um we do dublin belfast and limerick um and that's the first time we've been over to ireland in maybe like three or four years so excited to go back there we have like a day at home and then we go straight out on our first arena tour with architects um around the uk which is insane like i'm super excited for that oh yeah um then yeah like it's 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 mad. I always said that Malevolence would be a band that would never play arenas and here we are. So like I'm happy to have like been able to eat my words on that one.
0: Yeah, and it's Um, it's it's great though because just real quick before you continue, like music like yours is starting to become more accepted. Where like ten years ago, you probably wouldn't have been playing in an arena. But nowadays Yeah, nowadays more people are into the style of music, man. And I'm, I'm very happy. That makes me very excited for you guys to see you guys uh, going to be on a stage like that.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking nervous though, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't be. Um, no, I mean, you know what? It, it's, you know, it, I'm nervous now, but I know as soon as like I step on stage, it's just like show mode. Yeah. Good to go. Um, I think it's just the fact that I've worked in a few of these venues before doing like security and stuff. And I know how big they are and I know how many people are going to be looking at you just that that little thing in the back of your mind like uh, you you could you could fuck up you could fall off stage or something but yeah yeah touch wood that doesn't happen yeah. Um, but yeah after that then we've got um what we're we doing we've got european festivals uh doing Notfest fest in germany oh, nice. um, doing um i'm just trying to pick my words carefully because i know some of it's not announced <laughs> oh dude <laughs> um,
0: I, trust me i don't want you to say anything you shouldn't so you don't even have to. i know that we. i
1: know i I know that i can say that we're going to be over your side of the pond this year yes so yeah uh let me just quickly check you're in tennessee right
0: yeah dude you will probably not
1: be coming here for
0: some reason right now no tours are coming to nashville i don't know why if you guys are here i'm there
1: Um, no, no, we're not. But I think I, to be honest, my geography knowledge of the States is very poor, but I believe we're somewhere near. Okay. So, I mean, the
0: cool thing about the cool thing about Nashville. Now the drives are a lot longer than the drives in Europe for shows, but in terms of what I'm used to, you know, living in the U S like a few hour drive is like nothing. Um, Nashville is in a cool area where like we have quite a few major cities within like three hours of us like atlanta is like a three and a half hour drive birmingham alabama is like a three hour drive i can shoot up to louisville kentucky which is like a three hour drive so if you're near any of those places i could probably easily make that show um i would love to come see that man that would be awesome
1: absolutely man absolutely yeah just you know you you know there's a guest list spot there for you anytime oh, dude so, yeah. i
0: appreciate it man yeah the only show that i've seen in the last two years not including anything i've worked to like just a show i've paid for i went and saw uh ginger in suicide silence at a venue in nashville a few months ago okay. and that was like the first concert i've seen since the pandemic started. And it was like, it was such a cool vibe because it was like some people were were wearing masks, some people weren't, but nobody seemed to care at all. Cause in the States, yeah. the whole mask debate has been very hostile and political, but nobody in that room cared. Everybody was just there for music and everybody had a great time. It was a really good show. Um, mm. So with the album coming out and otherwise, I always like to ask artists this because hearing it from you is best. Um for somebody that's either new to Malevolence or is already a fan, what's the best ways that they can help support your band directly, whether it's financial or not?
1: Um obviously it's anything through mlvltd.com. Um that's probably the most direct way to support us um and even even not even like buying you don't even have to buy anything like just like watching our videos on youtube like tagging us in stuff on twitter and instagram like even like the reshares on instagram it all goes noticed we're all super grateful for it so um just spreading the word i am um, is obviously probably the best way of doing it yeah um and yeah like it's like like yourself we just we've your reaction videos i love watching the reaction videos because that's like you get to see how how much people enjoy the music and your your art that you've created so um and like yeah for example your video in in specifically you went into so much detail about the gear that we used and you talked about stuff that even i didn't know like (laughs) i was fucking i remember i showed it the guys and and they were all like how the fuck does this guy know all this stuff about like <laughs> what instruments we're playing and stuff. And, like, they were super impressed. Yeah. So like, but that's that, that kind of shit, like resonates with people. Like, and, and we as a band love to watch like reaction videos. That's like that. awesome. So, um yeah, we really enjoyed watching yours and you know, well, like you. that, that, that stuff on YouTube. Like it, I think that that's a, that's a great way of like spreading awareness. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: It's, it's, it's crazy how YouTube in the last couple of years since the pandemic has started is like, really changing the game with music. I mean, I've had, and I I don't mean to say this to boost myself because I'm still fair in the grand scheme of things. I'm fairly new to doing reactions and stuff. I've only been doing it for a little over a year, but Mm -hmm. um, I've had some record labels tell me that they think that there are some YouTube reactors that are starting to turn into like the modern form of music journalism. It's like print is dying and everybody's going to YouTube to watch reviews (laughs) on albums and reactions to songs. And it's, I mean, at least for me, as somebody that does reactions, mm. I've discovered more music in the last year and a half than I would have otherwise. And I've been more open to trying to listen to new things that I might not have as well. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, of course. I've, and I I, honestly, I think I think you're right. I think it's this new wave of uh, people being able to review music. Again, I feel like as well, you can, it's at a point now where... A lot of the youtubers that you see are still quite honest mm-hmm. like for example yourself with the nasty video they're still quite honest with how if they're not if they're not into something then they, they will say it and i think that's great you need that honesty because there is some that i've seen who are maybe not so honest who will kind of you know skim over things which should rightly be called out as being not so great but um i feel like it's definitely um this new format of, of yeah. like reviewing and expressing, uh, and you know, why not? Because it's so accessible to everyone. More yeah. people are on YouTube now than like ever before. So yeah, I feel like it's, it's a great tool to have.
0: Yeah. Especially, I mean, technology It's like people don't need to just be at their computers anymore. You could watch a mm-hmm. YouTube video when you're on a bus or something on your
1: phone, you know? Yeah, man. So. I, I, I spend like, the majority of my spare time, if I'm like on the internet, then I'm, I'm watching YouTube. That's, and yeah. like, and getting, getting stuck in like the, you know, the, the dark areas of YouTube at like two o'clock in the morning <laughs> yeah. where I'm like researching on how to fucking plant a, a certain type of tree oh uh, yeah just rushing rushing russian, I, I need to get out of the habit of watching russian dash cam videos oh my They're god like...
0: i watch those so much dude
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's such a bad habit
0: oh just, man I, I some of those every, are so wild
1: yeah and like, just, i just feel like sometimes you you laid in bed you're like you know when you're just half asleep and you're watching these videos you're like what is this doing to my brain yeah um, yeah sometimes you need to break that cycle a bit but but and then again, I love I love it. YouTube is one of my favorite my favorite websites to, yeah, to be on. So it's great. Um, me, me too. Yeah. But, it's that, great. but
0: well, dude, um, I know you got a ton of other media to do, and I appreciate your time for being here so much, man. This was super, super fun. To anybody that's listening, Malevolence's new album, Malicious Intent, comes out on May 20th of this year. If you're watching on YouTube, I'll have links below where you can go uh pre-order because pre-orders are still available um there is a new music video out as of right now i have not filmed the reaction yet but a day before this podcast comes out i'll have a reaction to that video up um but dude once again thank you very very much for your time um let's keep in touch because when you guys come out to the states i want to get to a show for sure
1: yeah man for sure hit me up on instagram we'll stay in touch but yeah thank you very much for having me on uh on behalf of all the guys as well like we really enjoy your content so keep it on man
0: Oh, thank you very much, man. And thank you for the music and have a wonderful rest of your day.
1: Cheers, brother. You
0: too. All right. See you, man.
1: Nice one, dude.
0: To everybody that listened to this podcast episode, thank you so very much. I realize there's so many podcasts out there and you could be listening to a lot of different things, but you listened to this one and I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And another big special thanks to Alex Taylor for giving us his time and a great conversation. And just as a reminder, Malevolence's third studio album, Malicious Intent, does release on May 20th, 2022. If you're watching on YouTube, I'll have links in the video description where you can check out all the stuff that you can do to support them. And if you're listening on audio, be sure to check out www.mlvltd.com. That is the band's own website, where they handle all of the merch, all of the pre-orders. So that is the best way to directly support the band if you would like to. But man, we've got a lot coming up for this podcast. Already, I have at least five episodes locked in, man. This is taking off a little faster than I thought it would, but that's really cool. And for our seventh episode, the next episode, we're going to have Mr. Tom England from Evergrey on the podcast, man. He's been on my YouTube channel before for interviews, but it was a while ago, and I was very nervous, and I wasn't comfortable doing this stuff yet, but I am now, and we've gotten to know each other since then, so I feel like it's going to make for a really good conversation this time around, so be on the lookout for that episode. There's going to be many more after that, and as one last reminder, if you're watching on YouTube, this is available on audio formats on Spotify, Google, Apple, all of that stuff, And if you're already listening to the audio format, just as another reminder, you can watch the video on YouTube at www.youtube.com slash tankthetech. And in the meantime, I'm on a bunch of social media. You can find me at the handle at tankthetech. I have a Discord server that a lot of us hang on. I have a Twitch that I stream on often, which you could find at twitch.tv slash tankthetech. But seriously, thank you to everybody that's still listening. This is a blast. I cannot wait for future episodes. But in the meantime, be safe, be kind to each other, and I'll see you all very soon for another episode of The Back Lounge Podcast.